Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Reading from John 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they weren't able to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, but a hundred yards. When they, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him. Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time do you love me he said Lord you know all things you know that I love you Jesus said feed my sheep very truly I tell you when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where, where you wanted but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you 
where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Great. Uh, okay, I'm assuming it's over to me, yeah? Right. Um, great. Well, it's lovely to be... Um, kind of join with you here at Lady Barn again. Um, uh, Sam asked me to preach uh, this Sunday, the 19th of April, I think before Christmas time. Uh, and I was really looking forward to it. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to come back to Lady Barn. I'm going to get to see everyone, walk around the community centre. It's going to be great. Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine back then that this is how I would be preaching to you uh, on this Sunday. Uh, so it's a little bit different, but it's, you know, it's what we have and we're blessed to have this technology that we can use it and connect. So uh, it's great to kind of be with you again at Lady Barn. Uh, really good that, that we can do that. Um, yeah, so good to, well, I was going to say good to see you, but I can't see you. You can see me. So good that you can see me. Okay, there we go. That's kind of how it is. Well, I just want to start this morning by asking a question. Um, who here is a fan of musicals? Who here is a fan of musicals? Uh, perhaps, yeah, Callum, Abby, they love their musicals. I'm sure lots of you uh, love a good musical. Uh, now, for those of you who are fans of musicals, um, now I don't know how this is going to work, actually. I, I, I want you to think, just what is your favourite musical of all time? What is your favourite musical? Now, can you do that? Now, once you've thought what your favourite musical is, uh, I want you, uh, even though I can't hear you, I want you to say it out loud at the screen after three. Are we ready? One, two, three. Okay, great. Now, I, I can't hear what that is. I'm sure many of you have maybe said The Lion King or, I don't know, Les Miserables or Phantom of the Opera or was it Cats, Wicked, Jersey Boys. There's loads of musicals out there. I'm sure you said lots of uh, different ones there. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not, really into musicals um, but a few years ago my wife Elizabeth convinced me to go see the musical Les Miserables and I have to confess I loved it I really did it was amazing if you haven't seen it go see it and, and the reason I loved Les Miserables it wasn't because I had kind of this newfound love for musicals or anything like that but it was because the story of Les Miserables is all about grace. It's such a good story. Um, for those of you who've watched it, you'll know what it is. It's, it's about a homeless guy called Jean Valjean. He's just escaped prison. He's just got out of prison. 
Anna. He gets taken in by a kind bishop after he finds him sleeping rough in the doorway of his church. And Jean Valjean then steals the silver from the bishop's church. Not really a nice way of repaying the kindness of the bishop, but that's what he does. But then the police catch him as he's trying to escape and they bring him back to the bishop. But the bishop surprisingly tells the police officer, no, 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 he didn't actually steal the silver. In fact, I gave him the silver. He's done nothing wrong. So the police officer's a bit sheepishly like, uh, really, you give him the silver? But he believes the bishop and, and lets Jean Valjean go and the police leaves. And then the bishop tells Jean Valjean, um, you're free to go. And by the way, you can keep all the silver. And Jean Valjean is blown away. He is astounded by this because for the first time in his life, He's experienced grace. And the rest of the musical shows how this grace transforms his life. It shows a lot of other things as well, but it shows how this grace transforms Jean Valjean's life. And, and that's what I want to talk about this morning is grace and how powerful grace is and how much it can change lives. And one of the places in the Bible where we see grace most clearly is in the passage Marilyn just read to us there from John chapter 21. The story of Peter being forgiven and reinstated by Jesus after he denied him three times. And I think this passage shows us two things about grace. It shows us two things about grace. Firstly, it shows us how to receive it. And secondly, I think this passage shows us how to respond to grace. So that's what I want us to look at uh, this morning, just briefly, how to receive grace and how to respond to it. So let's start by looking uh, at what this story tells us about how to receive grace. Now, what's interesting about this passage is that this miracle of Jesus telling disciples to put their net in again and they get loads of fish, it's, it's almost identical to, the, to one Jesus did previously two years earlier, which you can read about in Luke chapter five. So this is the second time Jesus has done the whole put the net in and miraculous catch of fish. And it's almost identical to the one in Luke five, except for one crucial difference. And that is the reaction of Peter. See, the first time Jesus provides the miraculous catch of fish two years previously, Jesus sees it and falls on his knees and says to Jesus, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He's afraid. He's like, he's like, what is this? He's afraid. Just go away from me. But this time in John chapter 21, Jesus, Peter's reaction is completely different. This time, Peter runs to Jesus as fast as he can. He's so eager to get to Jesus that he even jumps in the water with his clothes on to get to him. That's how eager he is. And, you know, I think one of the reasons Peter is so eager to get to Jesus is because he knew he'd let Jesus down big time. You know, we looked at this just before Easter. Peter had blatantly denied that he ever knew Jesus. And the, the, the sense of failure and guilt was still hanging over him. And, and so he runs to Jesus, hoping for a second chance. And when he gets to Jesus, Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And each time Peter says, I do love you. And each time Jesus responds by saying, feed or take care of my sheep. It's a way of saying, okay, I, I want you to look after believers, followers of me, Christians. I want you to take care of them, teach them, be there for them. And this, this kind of threefold thing, it seems to be Jesus' way of saying to Peter, it's okay, Peter, I forgive you. You're still part of my team and I've got important work for you to do, to teach and care for my followers. And, you know, I think the reason Jesus asks Peter three times 
is because Peter denied him three times. It's kind of like Jesus is saying, you denied me three times, so I'm going to give you a chance to say what you wish you had said back then three times as well. And you know, maybe like Peter, you feel that you've let Jesus down recently. It may not be the same thing, but maybe you feel like you've let Jesus down recently. Perhaps you've done something you know you shouldn't have, or you've not done something you know you should do. You know, I, I experienced this recently. Um, a few months ago, I was listening to an audiobook by uh, Francis Chan. You may have heard of him. He's a pretty popular American church pastor, writes lots of books, lots of great books, in fact. And uh, in this audiobook, um, I, he just said this line. He was talking about the importance of prayer. And, and he said this line that just hit me, okay? He said this. He said, I once told my church staff to let me know if they're not praying at least one hour a day. That way, I could replace them with someone who would. And I remember hearing that, and I thought, uh, oh, uh, okay, um, uh, I, I, I don't pray an hour a day. <laughs> Actually, if, if I was in Francis Chan's church, he'd sack me. I was like, oh, gosh. Uh, um, and and uh, you, you, you kind of laugh at it, but like that line just, it just played on my mind for a few days after hearing it. And I, and I began to feel like, I began, to, I began to feel like I was letting God down. I began to feel like I was letting church down even by not praying enough. I'm not praying an hour a day. I'm not a good pastor. I'm not, you know, I'm letting everyone down. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure many of us can sometimes feel like we're, we're letting God down because we aren't doing enough of what we think a good Christian should do. You know, for example, not praying enough, not reading our Bibles enough or sharing our faith enough. And often we can try and make ourselves feel better by simply trying harder, trying to pray more, read our Bibles more, sharing our faith more, and so on and so on. That's certainly what I tried to do in this situation. Because I decided that I was going to pray for an hour a day and then I would feel better because I'd be meeting Francis Chan's standards on prayer. So that's what I did once. Uh, but then I realized, uh, after doing it once, I realized, you know, uh, prayer is great and praying for an hour, two hours, three hours is great. But I realized I, I can't free myself from feeling inadequate and guilty by simply trying harder. What I, I realized what I needed to do instead was to go to Jesus. You know, if we want to be free from feelings of failure and guilt and inadequacy, we need to go to Jesus like Peter did. You know, we can't free ourselves from these feelings by simply trying harder. So big question is, how do we go to Jesus? Well, well we go to him through prayer. Very simply, we go to him through prayer, sharing with him what's on our heart. And, you know, for me, a few days after I, I heard that audiobook, I, I just came to the Lord. I, I just said, look, Jesus, I'm, I'm just feeling bad about not praying an hour of death. I'm getting pretty condemned. And, and I, I, I didn't hear this loud voice coming back say, you must pray an hour a day or, I'll, you know, no, I just... I just felt like Jesus reminded me of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, where God says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that's just what I needed. That's just what I needed to hear in that moment. 
So that's how to receive grace. We, we tell Jesus about our sense of guilt and inadequacy, and we allow the truth of the Bible to speak to us and restore us. Okay, so that's the first thing, how to receive grace. But what does this passage show us about how to respond to grace? That's the second thing I want us to look at this morning. How do we, how to respond to grace? Well, this passage shows us that the way we're to respond to the grace of Jesus is by following him, whatever the cost, and not comparing ourselves to others. Okay, I'm going to say that again. That's an important line. We're to respond to the grace of Jesus by following him, whatever the cost, and not comparing ourselves to others. Because that's exactly what Jesus tells Peter to do. Jesus tells Peter in verse 18 that he's going to be crucified for his faith. And we know from church history that that's exactly what happened. 35 years later, Peter was crucified in Rome for his faith. Now, after Peter hears this, Jesus tells him this, he then looks at John and asks, okay, well, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus is like, don't worry about him. You follow me. Don't, don't think about him. You follow me. You're going to carry your cross, not his. Okay. Forget about him. You follow me. Yeah. And you know, often we can be like that, can't we? We can, we can wish our lives were different. Often we can wish our lives were different, can't we? You know, imagine ourselves in Peter's shoes, having just heard that from Jesus, you're going to be crucified. You know, we might be thinking, yeah, I'm not sure I really want to be crucified, Lord. You know, I, I think I'd rather have John's life and write the book of Revelation and die of old age at 100 on a nice sunny Greek island because that's what happened to John. I mean, I imagine Peter could have been thinking, well, that sounds much better. I'd rather have his life. And, you know, we can so often do that, can't we? You know, I wish I had their life. I wish I had their salary. I wish I had their house, their happy family, you know. And by the way, their happy family is never as happy as you really think, okay, just so you know that. But we can often do that. We can often just want what other people have. And, you know, I want to be used by the Lord in the way that that person is, not the way he's using me. And, you know, Elizabeth and I, we were, we were chatting about this on Friday. And uh, she said, Elizabeth said to me, she says, you know, sometimes I catch myself thinking, if only I had their house with all those bedrooms, I could be so hospitable for you, Lord, with it. Or sometimes she says, oh, sometimes I'll catch myself thinking, I'll think, if only I had their big kitchen. Oh, the meals I could cook for people, Lord. Oh, what I could do for you, you know? She says, she says sometimes I just catch myself thinking those thoughts. And you know what Jesus says to that? He says, what is that pers other person's house to you? What is that other person's kitchen to you? You follow me with what you've got. And you know, for me, uh, it was a few months ago, I, I saw a picture on Instagram. It was from another church in Manchester. And um, it was a picture of their weekend away. And uh, there's tons of people in this picture. And I looked at this picture and this church, I knew this church had started around the same time that we'd started CCM Ladybard. And there was tons of people in this picture. And I thought, wow, that church, that church is a lot bigger than, than our church. And I started to think, okay, what have I done wrong here? Have I, have I, is there something I need to be doing different? I mean, they've grown loads more than we've grown. Uh, gosh. And, you know what? You know what Jesus says to that? He says, Andy, what is that church to you? You follow me with what you've got. What is that church to you? You follow me. You know, Jesus has got a unique path planned for every believer. And, and with that path comes unique blessings and unique hardships. 
You know, yes, Peter was going to be crucified. You know, I don't think any of us would like that. But on the flip side, a week after this encounter with Jesus, Peter was going to preach the gospel and 3,000 people were going to get saved. You know, the blessings and hardships on our paths are different from the next person. And what, and what Jesus is asking of you and me is, are you willing to follow me? Do you trust me enough to follow me on the path that I have prepared for you? Not someone else's path. Do you trust me enough to follow me in the path that I've prepared for you? You know, Jesus doesn't want us to be looking at others. He wants us to look at him, keeping our eyes fixed on him, following him, not someone else, on him. So what does following Jesus look like then practically when you're stuck at home with the kids all week or when you're self-isolating and haven't seen people for days? Well, I think following Jesus means living out Jesus' love, his patience, his compassion, his forgiveness and truth in whatever situation we're in. I'm going to say that again. I think following Jesus means living out his love, patience, compassion, forgiveness and truth in whatever situation we're in. Now, for most of us, following Jesus will take place in the normal, ordinary, everyday living. It will mean to speak positive words and to, to spread hope instead of cynicism and negativity. It will mean to resist scaremongering. It will mean to forgive members of your household for not doing the washing up. You know, it will mean to, to give somebody who might be lonely a phone call and encourage them. And I'm sure you can think of many more examples. You see, us following Jesus might not look as impressive or significant as, for example, Peter followed Jesus. But Jesus is saying to us, what is that to you? You must follow me. What is Peter's life to you? You must follow me. So we've looked at how to receive grace and how to respond to grace this morning. And, and you know, as we go into this, this new week, still in this lockdown situation, we might, be, we might find ourselves beating ourselves up for you know, not being patient enough for the kids or not praying enough or not reading our Bibles enough, not being motivated enough for work. But, but when we find ourselves in that place, let's run to Jesus just like Peter did. Let's tell him how we feel about our struggles and failures and let's receive grace. Because as he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And secondly, this morning, we looked at how to respond to grace. Jesus showed grace to Peter in this passage by reinstating him after he'd failed Jesus miserably. And, and Jesus has shown us grace by dying for us and forgiving us and making us right with God. So the way we respond to this amazing grace is by following Jesus, no matter the cost, not comparing our circumstances to others, but living out Jesus' love, patience, compassion, forgiveness, and truth in whatever situation we find ourselves in. I'm just going to pray right now for us, and then we're going to continue to worship. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that it is so powerful and life-transforming. Thank you that it is a free gift. Lord, thank you that you're the God of second chances. You're the God who, who doesn't just cast people aside when they make a mistake. No, you reinstate people. You restore people. Lord, I thank you that you're that God. Thank you for dying, sending your son to die on that cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be free, so that we could receive grace and also we could respond to grace in how we live our lives. 
Father, I pray that we would just enjoy the grace of God this week. Just enjoy it and, and also respond to it by showing grace to others this week, even while we're in lockdown inside our homes. I ask these things in your name. Amen.